let us pray. Oh, Lord, our God, we invoke your presence right into the middle of us. We invoke your presence. Help us to see you with eyes that are clearer than they've ever been. Help us to understand that you are our hope. You are our way. We ask, dear Lord, that you be with us now and fill us with your Holy Spirit. We know that um, what you have to say to us doesn't exactly ring true in the world, and we need every bit of your Spirit's help in order to discern and be open to what you have for us. And I pray most earnestly that the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts together will be acceptable to you, for you are our Lord and our Redeemer. Amen. Um, this, the reason we're together today has nothing to do with asking for money. It has nothing to do with Pastor Linda announcing a retirement. This is what it has to do with. The hope, the goal, the purpose today is for people to know Christ. We have known him all along, but there is more of him to know. And to be transformed by him, to be made whole through him, to know the truth about him, his limitless power, his enduring love, his profound statements, his simple directives, his presence, his elevation of the human condition, his advocacy of the poorest, most helpless among us. And on this point, your pastor is pretty angry. I've had someone quite recently say, why would a loving God allow a helpless child to go unprotected and be away from people who love him? The answer is right here. We have so much power as Christ's people to come together in the face of injustice that we haven't even tapped. So it's not you I'm angry at, and it's not God. It's the fact that there's evil in the world, and people are truly victims from time to time. Jesus Christ was all about elevating the human condition his advocacy of the poorest, most helpless among us is what he did. And his gift is salvation. Even though these disciples had experienced him firsthand, like many of us had, and had just participated in his feeding thousands of people with just a little bit of bread and a little bit of fish, and even though they had observed healing miracles and pronouncements like many of us have, that went straight through their hearts, the disciples have been affected by Jesus, moved by Jesus. The disciples still didn't quite get the truth about Jesus, but they will. He compelled them to get into a boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed this crowd that had been eating, stuffing themselves with food from the two little fishes. And he, Jesus, went up to a mountainside to pray and he stepped away from everything in the world, and he took his nourishment from God, and in this human condition, he knew limitations, and he was stripped, and he was exhausted. And the boat containing the disciples went out a considerable distance on the lake, and those people in the boat, from their perspective, they were stuck, and they were trapped, 
they were wedged in a fisherman's boat, and they too were exhausted from the feeding of the 5,000. They are the ones that served all of these people. So they were not their best selves. In fact, they were not in great shape at all, emotionally or physically, when the wind hit. And they were assaulted by a storm, by waves, by pitching around. And just a word about the boat. Traditional church architecture is filled with nautical themes, like nave, like apse. And our ceiling, there is the um, theory that these are praying hands going upward. But at one point, maybe it was during um, the Christ Connection building, we learned from the architect that, no, this is the bottom of a boat here, and the bottom of the boat is covering us right now. And it is our protection. And here we are in the boat. And their boat was being battered and rocked, and Jesus went out to them walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake... They were terrified. They cried out in fear, it's a ghost. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It is I. Do not be afraid. And then Peter said, Lord, if it is you, tell me to come to you on the water. What was he thinking? He wasn't thinking. He was responding in the spirit. Once we encounter the real Christ, he pulls us in like a magnet. That's one of the ways you can tell who he is. Distorted human designs of Christ don't have this pull. People think they are rejecting him and they know nothing about him. People think they are rejecting Christ when they know nothing about his love. We might have the fuzziest vision of who he is, but when and if it is the real Christ, his authority is so powerful it drives out demons. His authority. He's the only one who is able and has the power to say, do not be afraid. He slays the dragons of our soul. He fills every ache and yearning we have. He pulls us in. Peter, I believe, had no choice but to say, Lord, if it is you, please let it be you. I want so desperately for it to be you. I want to know that I can be saved from this frightening hour. Lord, if it is you, let me come to you on the water. And after being a bit shocked personally by Peter's audacity to command Jesus, I realize that Jesus is so powerful, so pervasive, so sovereign, that he is the one who placed the courage within Peter. In order for Christ Jesus' purpose to be realized in that moment, the essence of who Jesus is can be summed up in one word, and it is the word. So when, G when Peter said, let me come to you on the water, here is the word, and it is come, come come it defies human understanding jesus in this room right now is saying to every person's heart come come to me 
And Peter took a step out of the boat. And then he took a step onto the actual water toward Jesus. And as long as he was focused on Jesus, he was buoyed up because Jesus kept him from sinking. It wasn't Peter's will. It wasn't Peter's power. It wasn't Peter's strength. It was Jesus. Like an energy force, but more. A life source. In this connection with Christ, Peter became and that is the entire sentence, Peter became, period. When we focus on Christ, we become, period. But then Peter switched focus to the dangers, to the wind, probably the men in the boat who were probably freaking out, and he lost his focus, and he began to sink, and immediately he cried out, Lord, save me. And with those words, we on this side of the cross can be eternally grateful forever and ever because Peter did not try to save himself. He didn't maniacally try to swim to the boat. He didn't scream to the ones in the boat. Peter cried out to Jesus, save me. And Jesus reached out his hand, caught him, and said, you have little faith. And he wasn't saying, you have little faith, in a mean, derogatory, put-down kind of way. Jesus spoke the truth, only spoke the truth. And what he meant by that was, you have little faith. And then, why did you doubt and they both climbed into the boat. The wind died down because Christ's calling and coming into focus is the very thing that stills the wind to silence. Christ provides the stillness found in the eye of the storm. And those in the boat worshipped him. All who he, They were making all of these guesses as to what was going on with Christ their entire life of following him and suddenly it all made sense when it could be applied in this deeply deeply personal way the wind was actually silenced by their lord so the miracles that they had observed the pronouncements that jesus made all of these things suddenly came together and they said truly you are the son of god there comes a time to stop doubting and worship him we can only go so far in our knowledge of Christ with I'm going to live my life my way, the way I choose, and Jesus will help me with it because I'm a good citizen. Choose to live his way. It's risky, but there are facets of Christ to be revealed only in taking some kind of risk for his sake. And your risks are not my risks or anyone else's risks. The way that Jesus Christ deals with us is so tremendously personal and loving. We all need to get our feet wet. We are needed in this world where there is injustice, and we have these mandates that Christ has given us that we cannot ignore anymore. Jesus said to his followers, I will equip you with the Holy Spirit, 
and a variety of gifts. Every single one of you will have these gifts so that together you may feed my sheep, go out into the world, love your neighbor, but in order to do this, love me with all your heart and soul and mind. The gifts we have been given are unlocked, unleashed, when our focus is Christ, when we step toward him. He is saying, come, walk on the water toward me. Come, and I will give you my body, the church, to accomplish my purposes. And I will give you others to complement your gifts so that you will not believe that it is all about you. Come, step out of the boat. And when the waves come crashing, I am the only protection you need. And the waves of life take our focus away from him. When we have a tragedy in this church, our people are so compassionate that it completely undoes a lot of us. And I put myself in with this group, and we are not usable for a while. There is nothing that can dampen the growth of the Spirit and the overwhelming praise of God than just a little bit of negativity. And it's not the honest concern that bothers me at all, or people questioning things. It's just negativity, glib negativity that derails people. That's a wave. And our church is a pretty positive place, but we are not without waves. And then the people in this church, if you knew their lives like I know their lives, people are dealing with so much stuff. And we say to ourselves, but more importantly to our Lord, I will um, step out and take a risk later. I'll do it later when things settle down. They're not going to settle down. Jesus is the protection we need, and he gives us that because they're not going to settle down. The waves are always going to be there. It's not supposed to be easy. We are unique human beings who are called to step out of the boat with the gifts he has given each one of us, activated by him. Not everyone has grand visions to change the world. I'm glad some people do, but not everyone. If we have a hundred visions to change the world, nothing would come to fruition. There are no unimportant gifts, and there are no small gifts. When you think of the widow's might, which was worth nothing in the eyes of the world, this was all she had. But it's not easy. When Jesus says, come, he will equip us with his own Holy Spirit. I have seen an entire congregation be transformed toward the image of Christ when someone had the guts to focus on Christ, to say, I am sorry. That was years ago in a church of my mentor. And he said the ripple effect just kept going and going and going and going by one person saying, I'm sorry for what I've done to this community. But I've also seen at a retreat that we had at our church in Los Angeles, someone say, in the full power of the Spirit, I am not sorry I am not sorry about the way I was created. I am not sorry for my existence. I am no longer a walking apology that led to such a strengthening 
and honesty in that body of Christ, that she was led to follow her gifts, her musical gifts, into the ministry in stupendous ways. I am not sorry that I depend on Jesus Christ for everything, and neither are you. But that dependence is about serving in a way that maybe we're just beginning to see. We know that your spirit motivated them to speak, and we ask, dear Lord, that the people would come to support and enhance the fledgling ministries or outreaches that are represented in this group. We ask for your help. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.